Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer? The ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that, just like Chris Christie, he was made to order the meatloaf by his boss at the last company dinner. He is the captain. I would do anything for It's not love, that kind of meatloaf, Captain. But I won't eat Captain, the Captain, now you're just embarrassing yourself. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's crack open a beer so we can just move past all of that, right? Today we are drinking Swing State by Sibling Revelry Microbrewery Garage Grade 5 out of 5 bottle caps. Check out this dry hopped, light bodied American pale ale by the fine people at Sibling Revelry up in beautiful Westlake, Ohio. That was my nickname in high school, Pale Ale. That's Mr. Ale to you. You know all about beautiful Westlake, Ohio, don't you, Captain? That's one of those most, one of those beautiful, ideal places to raise a family. Plead the fifth. Well, okay. Uh, All right. Today's beer, Swing State, was brought to us by these great garage goers. First up, we have Rachel in Ohio. Also in the Buckeye State, we have Whitney from East Lake, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Whitney says, I want to hear you guys. Miles Davis. Garage grade Miles Davis. Bitches brew from Dogfish Head. It's the bee's knees, man. Next up, we have Jeff in Dayton, Ohio. Go Flyers, Jeff. Since the Buckeyes suck at basketball, I'm going to be rooting for the Flyers in March. And we also have Mary, who says, Go Tribe. All right, let's head over to Sweden. Let's say hi and thanks to Jesper. And we also have Jessica in Gothenburg, Sweden. So thank you Mm. to Jesper and Jessica. Let's go down south and say hi and thank you to Dan in Round Rock, Texas. Dan's a man. Also in the great state of Texas, we have Amy and Lorena. Well, that's special. We also have Blair, who says, big shout out to the captain. And last but not least, we have Mary Virginia from the state of denial. Mary is reminding everyone to drink responsibly and do not drink and drive. So thank you, Mary. Thank you to everybody for helping us out this week. And if you want to buy us around for next week's show, 
go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer, and let's talk some true crime. One years old and eight weeks pregnant. He's deeply loved and deeply missed. He is just overwhelming. Kelsey Schelling's face is on billboards in Pueblo, and volunteers have combed through the area she was last seen. Ten days after her disappearance, her car was found abandoned at a Pueblo hospital. Police say someone parked it there and walked away. Two years later, no arrests and no other clues. I don't even know how to explain how much it hurt to have. Your child just like ripped out of your life like that and do not know, you know, do not know where she is. Shelling was last seen in Pueblo visiting her boyfriend Dante Lucas. Lucas was later arrested for using Shelling's debit card after she disappeared, but those charges were dropped. I know that he's involved. Now whether he actually harmed Kelsey himself or had someone else do it, I don't know that. But I know that he's involved. But police say he's never been a suspect. We found out through friends and other interviews and bank records that that was not uncommon. She gave him a card, told him go get money. Public police believe someone knows something. And Kelsey's mom hopes one day they can bring her daughter home. She doesn't deserve whatever happened and, and wherever she is. She needs to be back in the arms of, of her family. Kelsey Schelling was 21 years old and eight weeks pregnant when she vanished on February 4th, 2013. She had her first doctor's visit that day of her pregnancy, and she sent a picture of the sonogram that she received of the baby to her mother and to her boyfriend. After a trip to the doctor's office and after a shift at work, Kelsey drove about two hours to Pueblo, Colorado to visit her boyfriend and the father of her baby, uh, Dante Lucas. Now, what happened once she got there remains a mystery. She hasn't been seen since. Today, Kelsey would be 26 years old. Yeah, in a brief description of her, she is five foot three inches tall, 120 pounds, and she is white with brown hair and hazel eyes. And looking at Kelsey's picture, it seems like she had some tattoos. Yeah, she definitely did, but uh, for whatever reason, they did not include these on her missing persons sign. Uh, she was last seen February 4th, 2013. This would be in the area of Manor Ridge Drive and Siena Drive mm-hmm. in Pueblo, Colorado. Now, we're talking about this today because it's a missing persons, you know, and but, but more importantly, the month of February is very important to this case. Um, we have a birthday. She would have celebrated a birthday on February 18th of this month. Mm-hmm. It's also obviously the anniversary of her disappearance from the 4th of this month. But they've also included a uh, an increase in the reward that, that they are offering for the return or the location of Kelsey. 
Now, the the reward was originally listed at $50,000, but for the month of February for this year, it has been increased to $100,000. And there's a lot of thought that has gone into this. First of all, her family has worked very hard to be able to put together this this offer, this reward money that was offered up, mm-hmm. and worked with local businesses to get together some more funds to increase that reward. And I applaud their efforts. But but the other thing here, Captain, is we we have a situation where it may be where several people could have been involved or know about the disappearance or the whereabouts of Kelsey. And the community has been heavily involved, and you can find out more information at helpfindkelsey.com. Yeah, and listen to this from that website. I wanted wanted mm-hmm. to read this real quick. Uh, on the website, helpfindkelsey.com, they state, We hope and pray someone will find it in their heart to end the suffering and allow us to bring our Kelsey and grandchild home where they belong. The Schelling and Saxton family is offering a reward of up to $100,000 to the person who provides information in the month of February 2017 leading to Kelsey's direct return or location. All right, let's get into the details of this case. So Kelsey was living in Denver, in the Denver area, working at a store called Floor and Decor. Her parents were divorced. Uh, They divorced when she was 11. Uh, Kelsey is a fun, outgoing person. She was very close to her mother. Kelsey attended Northeastern Junior College. She wanted to study psychology, but it, this is where she met a man named Dante Lucas. Mm-hmm. Now, Dante is playing basketball for the school. He has hopes of getting recruited by a bigger school as he would like to play basketball professionally. The two become involved romantically, although this relationship is not described as being very romantic. Kelsey's friends use words like whirlwind and toxic to describe the actual relationship. Dante pretty much treated Kelsey like a dog, according to her friends. Anyway, we have an on-again and off-again relationship. But by 2012, Kelsey is not attending the junior college, and Dante has returned home. He was never recruited by a big school to go off and play basketball. In 2013, Kelsey tells her mother, Laura, that she is pregnant. And on February 4th, 2013, she goes for her first doctor's visit. And this is where she, she does the sonogram and has, you know, you get the picture of the, of the baby that's growing inside you mm-hmm. and you get excited and you send it off to your friends and loved ones. She sent it to her mother and I've never, to, to I've Dante. never ex- experienced this. You've never had a baby growing inside of you. No, I have never had a baby growing inside me, but I've, I've never, I've, I don't have any biological kids. Well, the report from that doctor's visit is everything is healthy. You know, the baby's healthy and everything is going good Mm -hmm. with the pregnancy. That same day, she uh, sent a text, sent the pictures off to her friends and to to Dante and her mother. Kelsey's mother says that, of course, there were some stresses with this pregnancy. You know, Kelsey being a young woman, that's just natural uh, stresses that come with this situation. But she seemed very happy and she seemed to be looking forward to being a mother. And like you said, that she's going to head off to work. So she goes to the doctor's office. She heads into work. This is where it starts getting a little fishy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and just the fact that she goes to work and that she's going to leave work about 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so people see her at work. They see her leaving. We know that she was there. And, uh, you know, clock in, clock out, all that stuff. But now at 10 p.m., she's going to head and take a two-hour trip yeah. to go see this Dante character. To 
Pueblo, Colorado, and this would be at his coaxing. You know, we there have been some text messages that have been made public uh, that she was sending and receiving that day. Um, he wants her to come down there, and, and, and I'll go through those text messages real quick. Mm-hmm. Early in the day, she sends one to him stating, I now know how you truly do feel. You have no obligation to me, and you don't want anything to do with me. And it sounds to me like at this point she's kind of sticking up for herself. They're bickering about something, mm-hmm. and she's stating, okay, well, it's pretty clear, and I'm not going to fight you anymore. You don't want anything to do with me. Right, right. And it and it almost sounds like maybe she's working on ending this relationship in a, in a way. Yeah, and then also at this point, she has to go take a test because I don't think she's 100% sure that she's pregnant right. at this point. Yeah, she's done some of those home pregnancy tests, but this would be the actual first doctor's visit to confirm uh, those home pregnancy right. tests. Right, and I think you know, being a young um, female, she's probably thinking on some level, like, okay, well, if I am pregnant, well, now this is kind of throwing a wrench in, in the whole thing because you know this guy that has been nothing but rude and has treated me like basically shit— now he doesn't want to be involved in, in my life or maybe I don't want him to be involved in my life. And now I might be having a baby with this guy. So now he is going to be connected to me for at least 18 years. Yeah. We see that there's definitely something going on with this relationship here and something going on with her emotionally as she's reaching out to Dante. But then the next text message that she sends that we are aware of is the picture of the ultrasound Mm -hmm. after the doctor's visit. Now, while she's at her shift, she's going to receive some text mes- messages from Dante. And this doesn't seem to be any type of bickering or arguing about their relationship or about the, the future of this this child. Um, it sounds to me like he's trying to get her to come down and visit him, which is, like you said, what, about a two-hour drive? Well, I would one, I'd like to know if this is the full record of the text messages because it's not really clear when you you know look for all the through all the mess. Um, but it seems very odd to me that she sends the ultrasound and it just instantly is like, there's no fighting. It doesn't seem like there's any question. Like, Mm -hmm. what is that? Mm -hmm. Or is it mine? Yeah. He, he's making it sound like there's some kind of surprise that he has for her. You know, you, you need to come down here because I have a surprise for you. Well, right. But what I'm saying is surprising to me is that there's not a lot of communication about the ultrasound. Right. Yeah. And so the text that he sends tells her, you know, they're talking about the surprise and he's saying, just wait and see for yourself. You probably wouldn't believe it. You probably wouldn't believe me if I told you. And she's stating, well, just tell me what the surprise is and then I'll come down. And again, he's saying, come see it for yourself. I know it will put you in a better mood. So it seems like that he was had to be somewhat aware of this doctor visit that was going to happen that day. Yeah, he's aware of the possible pregnancy. Uh, he's aware that there's going to be a doctor's visit. Mm-hmm. And there's some possible evidence, maybe just speculation, that he was actually trying to get her to come down before the doctor's visit that she had on February 14th. Okay, that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, so he he's trying to get her to come down and see him in Pueblo, which is a two-hour drive. She obviously seems a little reluctant of this. We have this guy who has not been great for this girl. Now he's the father of her unborn baby, and he's reported to have been angry about the pregnancy. He may have even wanted nothing to do with her or the baby at all. And now there's this offer to meet him in Pueblo. Now, Kelsey. And the offer is so ridiculous. I mean, he basically picked up some paddles, jumped in his douche canoe, and started streaming down Douche River. 
And he was like, hey, I got a surprise for you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what's the pr- surprise? And there wasn't no surprise. So he's going, just wait till you see it. Yeah. yeah it's going to be amazing. I've got nothing here. She's calling my bluff. She does decide to go. Uh, right. But we, let's be very clear. This was not a trip that she had planned or spent any length of time planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did not tell either of her parents that she was going to go. Uh, she didn't take any of her prenatal care items or personal items that would indicate that she intended to stay there for any extended period of time. Right. Uh, so she she works her shift at the floor and decor, and then she leaves work after, at the end of her shift. And sometime around 10 p.m., she makes the drive to Pueblo. And Dante has text Kelsey stating, hey, why don't we meet at the Walmart? Yeah, Kelsey arrives at the Walmart at 4080 West Northern Avenue in Pueblo at 1120 p.m. And she waits there for Dante. She starts texting him. Wait, you said 1120? Yes. She starts texting him saying that she is tired of waiting. This is around like 1215 a.m. on the 5th. Dante texts Kelsey telling her to go to a different location and meet him there. Now, this would be that Manor Ridge Street area that is listed on her missing person sign. Note, this area is near Dante's grandmother's house, where it is thought that he was to have been living with his grandma at his grandmother's place at this time. Yeah, and it seems like this Dante character, you know, has stayed with his grandma, but has also stayed with his mother. And so it's like he has no um, concrete residence. At 12.32 a.m., Kelsey sends Dante Lucas another text message. She's now at the new location. This was where Dante had requested that she go. Mm -hmm. And she's texting wanting to know where he was. Uh, She's complaining that she's been there waiting for him for over an hour. I believe the exact text reads, where are you? I've been here over an hour just waiting. Yeah, a couple things here that I don't like. First of all, you know, you're the pretty female. This guy's just some kind of a goon, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants you to drive two hours to see him. No, don't waste your gas money. Don't waste your time. Uh, you know, he should court you, right? Mm-hmm. You, you believe that you're pregnant by him. Uh, he needs to be driving to see you, first of all. Then you show up at the Walmart. He's not there. Now you're waiting. At, at that point, turn around and go home. Mm-hmm. This guy this guy is a fool. Stop wasting your time. But then she goes and heads to the next location. And now we have this evidence that he's not there either. Right. And she's waiting. Like I said, he's just a goon. Well, and it's at this the time of this text or shortly after that is that it is believed that she went missing at mm-hmm. that time. And she's not been seen since. Now, in the day that would follow, Kelsey's parents are trying to call her on her cell phone. These calls are going straight to voicemail. And by the end of the week, her cell phone, it shuts off. There's there's no communication with Kelsey after this text message. There's conflicting reports on this. Some people say that the cell phone uh, stayed where it wasn't going straight to voicemail till the end of the week or whatever, mm-hmm. that the cell phone was still on. Um, a bunch of other reports basically say within 24 hours that stopped. So we have a situation here where we have a girl that's gone missing, but it's very unclear as to when we are aware that she's actual actually missing. Mm-hmm. We don't know if she missed a work shift the following day, but for whatever reason, her family starts looking for her. Right. They're trying to get in contact with her and they start trying to contact her friends and her friends obviously don't know. And mm-hmm. she, you know, Kelsey wasn't telling her family or friends, Hey, I'm going to go visit this guy right. because I think anytime you're in a relationship where the guy is, you know, a horrible person and there's all this, you know, 
chatter about how he would, you know, put her down, call her fat, say that she wasn't, you know, worth anything and you're happy that I'm in your life. I mean, this guy's a real winner. And, um, and so you don't want to tell your friends, you don't want to tell your family, Hey, I'm going to go see this guy. Right. Right. Cause eventually they want you to just move on with your life and get this guy out of, out of the way. But so nobody knows anything. And so then, uh, Kelsey's mother has to contact Dante. Yeah. And the way that I imagine this going down, Captain, is he probably confirms that he saw her that night. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't know for certain. But what we do know is he basically tells Laura, which is Kelsey's mother, that, you know, if I see her, if I hear from her, I'll let her know that you're looking for her or I will reach out and let you know something. Right. And And what the mother says to Dante is, hey, look, you need to let her know. That, you know, we're taking it serious. Mm -hmm. Like, we're we're calling the cops. We're getting people involved. So if you're just, you know, stressed out and taking a breather from life for a while, that's fine. Because I I wonder, you know, that kind of makes it make sense to me that she's calling the boyfriend. And maybe she's thinking that Kelsey went to go visit him and is just going to chill out there for a couple days. Mm -hmm. And just to blow off steam and not be so stressed out. And maybe that's why he's telling him, hey. Tell her that we're taking this serious. So if you, you know, kind of like, hey, if you guys are hanging out and she just doesn't want to talk to f- family and friends, just let her know to reach out so we, you know, we don't waste the law enforcement's time. Well, you're exactly right. You're the mother calling. You can't get a hold of your daughter. You're hoping maybe you get a hold of this guy. And for whatever reason, she went to see him and all of a sudden he's singing a different tune. Mm-hmm. Now he's he's received the the ultrasound photo and now he's starting to feel like maybe I want to be a father or maybe I want to do the right thing and and be there emotionally or some in some way supporting this this young lady. Yeah, it seems to me, you know, just my knowledge of people having kids, it either makes people like a lot better of people mm-hmm. or makes them a lot worse of a person. Yeah, like it didn't, I've never had a buddy that had like a kid and just like stayed the same. They normally either become a lot better, or all of a sudden they become like this big loser piece of shit. You know. Mm-hmm. So after just a couple of days, we have a situation where the a young girl's gone missing, young woman's gone missing. Her friends are now aware because the parents have made made them aware, calling them, asking where she is. Friends don't know. The boyfriend, maybe not a boyfriend, he's aware that she's Kelsey's not been seen. And, you know, her mother stating that we are going to call the police. We're taking this very seriously. We have a young eight-week pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. who's who's missing that we can't get in touch with who seems very close with her mother mind you she says we're going to take this seriously we're going to call the police and they do exactly that they get the pueblo police department involved and they ba- and they announce her as missing to them and now we have police out looking and making their phone calls as well to try to figure out where kelsey is or where she was last seen so law enforcement is involved and they actually interview dante and it's really not clear how much information he gives them. I think it's probably really similar to what he gave Kelsey's mother. You know, uh, I haven't seen her. I, you know, I don't know where she's at. I haven't heard anything from her. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have a twist of events because on the 14th, on Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. um, we find her car. Yeah, police would find Kelsey's black 2011 Chevy Cruze at St. Mary Corwin Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, police reviewed surveillance footage and found out that an unidentified black man had pulled up and parked the vehicle on February 7th. So it had actually sat there for seven days before police find it in this parking lot. Right. 
And if you look at the footage, I mean, it's just kind of a, you know, black man dressed in all black. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now finding her car, this presents a big, big problem, right? right? Because now we don't have a situation where we might have a young woman that went, went rogue. You know, maybe she's depressed or got weird things going on and decided to take off on her own. No, when when a person leaves, they have to have a means of leaving. And her mm -hmm. means would have been her car. And once you find her car, now now you're aware that there's there's a big problem here. And we we found this girl's vehicle. We cannot find her. Yeah, and, we've, and like we said, I mean, you find her car, but the car is two hours away from her house. You mm -hmm. know, it'd be a lot different to me. If for some reason, you know, she had this interaction with Dante and then made it back to Denver mm -hmm. and then she went missing. Yeah. Because then I'd go, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe there is that thought that anytime there's a missing person, people speculate, it, did they go missing on their own? Or, you know, was it suicide? It doesn't make a lot of sense that somehow her car ends up at this hospital and there's no record of her being at that hospital. Yeah, you can't, you can't, she, it's not her that's getting out of the vehicle. It's not her that parked it there on February 7th. So now your best means of tracking and finding Kelsey is trying to figure out, track the car and try to figure out where Kelsey was separated from the vehicle. Well, and, and then track whoever this individual is. Mm -hmm. So we have this car that's found with an unidentified man getting out of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he's not recognized by, by anybody they show the tape to. However, her her boyfriend or the man that she was going to go see is a tall black man. The guy in the video appears to be a tall black man. Right. And um, now they're going to have to bring in Dante and, and talk about this vehicle. And they're going to learn a lot more about the movements of this vehicle. But we'll get to that right after this. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot garage. 
This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code TrueCrimeGarage50 at factormeals.com slash TrueCrimeGarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Quick beer break. And we're back. Dante Lucas was picked up on February 15th, and he's going to be brought in for questioning because now mm-hmm. we've found the vehicle and we've got a lot of questions that need to be answered. We need to know where Kelsey is. And when was the last time that Dante had seen her? 
Yeah, and so Dante's statements, he states, well, yes, she did come out on the 4th to see me after work Mm -hmm. and that she was waiting in the Walmart parking lot Mm -hmm. and she waited for about an hour. From there, he states that she would then drive to Manor Ridge Drive, which is near Dante's grandmother's place, and meet him there. He says when there, they got into some kind of argument or disagreement, and she tells him that she's going home. Mm-hmm. Uh, he later finds out. Well, that, that, then he claims that he goes to bed. Yeah, he goes to bed and that Kelsey decided to stay and sleep in her car for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next morning, this would be around 7 a.m. Kelsey tells Dante that she is not feeling well and she has asked for him to drive her to the hospital. From there, he says that they go to the Parkview Wellness Center. Mm-hmm. Now, he states he doesn't go in with her. He, he simply drops her off. And she's in there for about two hours, maybe a little less. But when she comes out, she then tells Dante that she is not pregnant. Mm-hmm. He, he then says that they go to Walmart. This Walmart seems to be like the center of the universe for this guy, right? Right. He, he says she goes in. She wanted to go in and get some snacks and stuff. Right, for the, her trip home. And then they must have gotten into some kind of argument or disagreement again or something happened because according to Dante, she then tells him she's no longer an interest. She's not interested in driving him home. He's going to have to walk. And he says this is the last time that he sees Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So then he should be seen on some kind of surveillance walking home from the Walmart. Yeah, yeah. He should be seen walking home, leaving but, her vehicle. But we don't have that surveillance. Mm-hmm. And now at this point, we don't know if this guy is telling the truth or not, right? We just kind of kind of go with it. But we got this car, and we have some evidence about this car and where the car's movements were. Yeah, police start looking into surveillance footage from other businesses and discovered that Dante Lucas had parked the vehicle at the Walmart, with mm-hmm. the, the one, one that he said that they had gone to. Right, the hub of the universe. This is about three miles west of the hospital that on February 5th, he claims that he had dropped Kelsey off at, right? Mm -hmm. So in this footage, you can clearly see that he is alone at the Walmart. The the vehicle is parked. It's her, it's her black Chevy cruise is parked Mm -hmm. and he gets out of the vehicle and it almost looks like he locks the vehicle as he's walking away. You know, you can kind of see the flash of, of the lights that would indicate somebody hitting the lock button on the, the key fob. Right. And from there, he, he goes and he walks near the back of the store. And during this time, he appears to be texting. He's busy with his phone. He might be making phone calls or texting. Right. But the record, as far as Kelsey's phone goes, he's not texting Kelsey. Correct. Now, what we see here is he, he gets, again, he gets out of the vehicle by himself. Kelsey's nowhere to be seen on any of this footage. The black Chevy Cruze, it sits in the Walmart parking lot for about 18 hours. When on February 6th, an unidentified black man walks up to the car. He even appears like he might have the keys. Uh, you can kind of see him motioning like he has the keys as he's getting closer to the vehicle to, to like unlock the vehicle. Uh, the police say and the newspapers say an unidentified man. Right, Captain? Right. Uh, you've, you've seen the footage. What do you think? Some people think that it's Dante. Some people think that it's not yeah, I, it's it's hard to tell because, you know, he is a taller individual. I mean, he was uh, a basketball star, a mm-hmm. uh, high school basketball star. Let's not give him a bunch of credit, right? This is a guy that was playing high school basketball and had dreams of becoming an NBA star. But, he, he one, he didn't have the intelligence to 
um, or, or the work ethic to get the grades in school to have the big schools come looking at, mm-hmm. at him because he was a talented athlete. But if you can't make the grades, colleges, Division One schools, they're not going to come after you because if, if you're too much of a dummy and you can't make the grades, then you're just going to sit the bench for them. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of times, you know, especially in this community, this is kind of a tough community. It has a high crime rate. And I think, you know, this was Dante's way out. And, mm-hmm. and instead of manning up and saying, well, look, I just didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I'm going to go to college. And I'm going to get a degree and move on with my life. I, it seems like him, his friends, everybody else was counting on the fact that this guy is still going to become you know, a LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Well, he certainly had the size, and that's what you would think would make him pretty noticeable or very obvious to point him out on these surveillance. Footage. Yeah, and I didn't notice that on the film. Yeah, you know, I well, I will. It, it's tough because you don't have a whole lot to reference his height to. You right. know what I mean? Well, you have the car, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like he's towering so much above the car. You know, he's six seven. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I'm six three. I I would tower over a a Chevy Cruze. So that's where it's like, is it him? I, I I'm leaning towards no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm actually leaning towards no as well. The body type to me looks we actually agreed. Yeah, imagine that. Oh, hey, cheers. The body type actually looks a little different to me. Mm-hmm. Where where you know we said Dante's tall and he's pretty lean. You know yeah. he's very athletic. And well, well, yeah, but yeah, but when you're athletic six, looking, right? When you're six seven, you want to put more size on him. He's not a LeBron James. LeBron James is a big boy all the way around. This the, guy was definitely uh, kind of a beanpole. The guy picking up the vehicle on February sixth, he he looks slightly different to me mm-hmm. as far as body type goes. He looks like he might be a little shorter, maybe a little heavier. So a little squattier, let's say. Squattier. Yeah, That's but there's word. there's not an obvious difference. I can't really put a stamp on if it's Dante or not mm-hmm. uh, for certain. But regardless, this vehicle's picked up by this unidentified male on the 6th. And then it's the same unidentified man that then parks the vehicle at St. Mary's at St. Mary's Medical Center. Now, this would be on the following day on February 7th. Right. So what? where was the car's whereabouts for the rest of the six? Yeah. That's very odd. Exactly. And then this is where it sits for seven days until police find it sitting there at that that, that medical center. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they have that for surveillance because once they found it, they can go back to the hospital and say, hey, can we get surveillance of the parking lot? Mm-hmm. And so they know that it just sat there for seven days. Mm-hmm. We should also we got to bring up the ATM footage, right, Captain? Mm-hmm. So this this is going to be the whole purpose of picking up Dante on the fifteenth. Okay, they when they're out and they're collecting surveillance footage from all these other businesses to try to track the movements of this car. One thing that they are able to determine is that at some point on the fifth, before the vehicle arrives at the Walmart, it goes through an ATM machine. Mm-hmm. This vehicle, with Dante driving the vehicle, nobody else appears to be in the vehicle. Kelsey's ATM card is used, and $400 is taken out of her account, and Dante's taking this money. Mm -hmm. Well, this is where he's going to start squirming in the whole questioning process. Well, yeah, and he's going to be charged with this initially. Mm -hmm. They're going to charge with, hey, we got a missing person. We don't know where her whereabouts are, and you're using her ATM We've seen this in a lot of other cases where they don't have much to go off of, but they know that the suspect has used 
the missing person uh, ATM so we can charge him with that. Mm-hmm. And that will give us chances to question him and start ga- gathering evidence evidence if there was foul play yeah yeah and he's going to start to squirm his story is going to start to fall apart here because now they want to know why are you in her car by yourself why are you using her atm card and you're telling us your original story is that she disappeared sometime after after dropping her at the hospital and then going to the walmart and she goes home you walk home what are you doing with her atm card yeah and he kind of tried to put it on the idea that well i used the card during the time that she was at the hospital doesn't really line up with his story, but maybe his story was off by a few hours. The problem that's going to happen with police officers is this is a common thing. I mean, look, this guy calls you fat. You're mm-hmm. definitely not fat. He says you're not attractive. Definitely not. A, you know, you're definitely an attractive person. Dante's not very observant. Right. Well, yeah, he's blind in one <laughs> eye and can't see out of the other. Um, he's not that bright. And so you got a guy that's treating you like not what you're worth. Right. And you're putting forth all this effort. Mm-hmm. And then the, it comes out in this case that this was a common uh, thing where she would give him, he would ask for money. Right. I, I, I look women, there is enough guys out there that will treat you nice, say nice things about you and give you money mm-hmm. and give you their debit card. Where you look, if if a guy is asking you to borrow some money or borrow your debit card, run, run for your life. But we're not implying that Kelsey has done anything wrong here. Um, it, you know, yeah, I am. I mean, I'm not trying. Look, well, I, not, know, I know that she's not a, to lead to her disappearance, obviously. Right, right. I mean, she's not at fault for what we don't know has mm-hmm. happened. She's mm-hmm. not at fault for that. But I'm just saying, and she was young, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she's 22 years old. And so she's young and she's naive. But what I'm saying is that there's all these stepping stones along the way. If she would have just said, look, this is ridiculous. And then, and I think because she would, it's a, uh, it's a harder predicament to be put in once you got this guy that's treating you like garbage. And we've seen proof that she was like, okay, well, obviously you're never going to change, so I probably should move on. Mm-hmm. The problem was when she got pregnant with this guy's baby. Yeah, it, there were definitely some indicators along the way. and But but now police, they got the ATM footage. Mm-hmm. They're talking to Dante. He starts to squirm. And as you said, they're like, well, where is she if you're out using her ATM card? And what are you using her card for? And he said, well, she gave me the money to pay, I think he says a phone bill. Right. He's, apparently he's got a $400 phone bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gave me the card to you to pay for my phone. Uh, I, I got the money. Well, where was she? Well, this would be when she was at the hospital. Remember, I dropped her off that morning and she was in there for about an hour and a half to two hours. Right. And I was gone and I went and picked up the money then. But the 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 footage from the ATM machine to the time that the vehicle's being parked at the Walmart. Well, that's why I think that they know that this is Dante getting out of the vehicle at the Walmart because that such a short amount of time has has elapsed that it's only conceivable that whomever was going through the ATM mm-hmm. was the same person that parked it at the Walmart. And you already have him saying it was me at the ATM. But now he's starting to go, uh-oh, my story's starting to fall apart. Right. And he says, I want to talk to a lawyer. I'm, if we're if you're going to keep asking me questions and you keep asking me the same questions over and over again, I've already gave you answers. I need to talk to a lawyer. Well, investigators are going to go to that 
the hospital and realized that Kelsey, you know, look, it's it's possible that she went to that ho- uh, hospital and that she just never checked in. Mm-hmm. And, and she just decided she was going to go to, you know, think about it this way. Let's say his story is true. She goes to the hospital. She doesn't check in. She just sits on a park bench. Well, right. Well, okay. Just hear me. Go ahead. Go ahead. He sits on a park bench for an hour and a half, two hours. Doesn't text anybody. And then comes back out and says, ah, not pregnant. And she's telling him that so she can get away and, and never see this guy again. So, okay, you got that side of the story. You have also that we have proof that she didn't check into this hospital. So chances are she didn't go to the hospital. Well, and well, they and you're exactly right. And and let's before we get too far on another path here, let's start going through his story and let's let's talk about the let's dice this turkey up, right? So first of all, when they're doing the the check of the traffic and security cameras, there is no evidence to to support his story. Mm-hmm. And that being, there's no evidence to support the part of the story where her vehicle ever went to the Parkview Medical Medical Center. It's not seen traveling there. It's not seen in the parking lot. It, it, her vehicle's not on camera doing that. Right. Furthermore, they don't have any video evidence of her going in or out of the medical center. They see no footage of Kelsey inside the medical center. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, uh, Dante, Mr. Einstein here, uh, we have these things called medical records, and they never accessed her record what is that they don't have any records of her in their system right so it's virtually impossible that she was in the parkview medical center that day and it's most likely that she never ever had been in that parkview medical center right and once you figure out that he's lying about that then it's like what else is he lying about and then second of all we have her car right so kelsey's car seems to have been all over the place and remember, they have video footage of Kelsey's car being parked at the Walmart. Mm-hmm. And two people do not get out of the car when, when it is parked. It's parked only by one person who gets out of the car. And it's not Kelsey. It's Dante. Dante parks the car. And remember, he says she left him to walk home alone, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the whole story here. Because what happens is he actually is seen going to the back of the store behind the store in the parking lot. And now he's getting into his mother's car. Mm -hmm. It has been established that Dante's mother, Sarah Lucas and his grandmother, Vivian Lucas were in the car. Meanwhile, on tape, you can see him when he's walking and he looks like he's texting and making a phone call. It very well could have been, you know, that he's calling or texting mom or grandma, you know, just to get him a ride. Right, they might not have known he was dropping off Kelsey's car. Or he could have been walking to mom and grandma's car, and now he's calling or texting someone else saying, I just dumped the car. Right. You know, I'll tell you what here. He, he's on tape, so we don't need a whole lot of more evidence on this guy. But what I'm starting to wonder is how many people are involved in this thing. Mm-hmm. And what is the mother's role in this? We know she's seen picking him up. Because this, I mean, this dude looks very guilty at this point. Mm-hmm. And here we have mommy walking right behind him, you know, helping him out, cleaning up his mess. And now we have grandmom there too. I'm starting to wonder how many generations of murderers do we have in this family? Well, yeah. And I think it goes back to the whole, you know, like 
we're going to get into this, but I just want to call this out at the beginning. Like I said, I mean, this is a troubled area. You know, there's there's a tough community, and he is a you know, let's just say a troubled kid, and doesn't have a lot of options as far as his future. And this is the golden ticket. You know, this is the basketball ticket, right? I got a golden ticket, Mm -hmm. and and that's what his family thinks too. I mean, his mom wasn't some winner; she wasn't you know some lawyer or something. I'm not saying that all lawyers are winners, but I'm just saying, you know, it wasn't like she was doing a bunch with her life. And I think her son was a meal ticket. And, and by the way, all he didn't always live with her either. Yeah. You know, so she, she's not um, a winner. Yeah. They were putting all their eggs into Dante's basket. Right. And they had a bunch of holes in that basket. Yeah. Ne- next, let's talk about the cell phone activity on Kelsey's phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, this does not look good for Dante's story as well. At 3.54 a.m., Dante Lucas called Kelsey's phone. Now, this is the early morning hours when she supposedly went missing. You know, he says she's out sleeping in her car at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, her family's going to argue this is the time where when she went missing. So they do a data and information collected on Dante and Kelsey's phones. They are able to establish that these phones are are in close proximity to one another in a remote area of Pueblo County at this time. Mm-hmm. So they're say they're stating the investigators are saying there's no need or reason for Dante to call Kelsey's phone. That's how close they are. Of course, the theory here is that Kelsey had been murdered sometime before this call was made and that the call was made to locate Kelsey's phone in the dark. Right. Throughout the night, there were various text messages that were communicated between Kelsey and Dante's cell phones. And an analysis of the text and the verbiage used in those communications from Chelsea's phone after 3.54 a.m. would indicate that the wording, spelling, and type of verbiage used was dissimilar to that used by Kelsey in previous messages. Right. Also, the content of these messages, they just make no sense. They, they're, they're out of context. Right. So it's, it's almost like... So I'm just putting this in my brain. Mm -hmm. You just threw out a bunch of stuff thrown in my brain. So their thought is that she's murdered. Mm -hmm. He makes a call or somebody makes a call to find her phone. And then, oh, well, let's do some text game back and forth to kind of cover our tracks. Yeah, to make it look like she's alive and she's communicating with him. Right, but this genius, this Einstein... When he's talking to the police, he basically makes it seem like, well, I didn't know that she was spending the night. Mm -hmm. I didn't know she was staying in her car. Right. And so, yeah, it's weird. Now, he's lawyered up, right? And this is where they've decided we're probably going to have to let this guy go because he's no longer cooperating with us. Whether he was lying to begin with or telling us the truth, he's no longer opening up to us and telling us what he knows. Mm -hmm. Um, He lawyers up. And remember, he was brought in for the use of the ATM card. He was initially charged with some for, some form of fraud here. Right. And but they, the police, are able to establish through talking to Kelsey's mother and some of her friends that that this was something that he had done in the past. That he he had borrowed money from her. Mm-hmm. He had asked her for money, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a giant leap to believe that she wouldn't have let him use her ATM card. So for even though we have all these questionable circumstances, we cannot outright say that, that it's completely inconceivable 
that he that she didn't let him use that card on that day. Right. Basically, we are charging this guy with these uh, this offense, but we don't think we'll be able to prove it in court. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good way to try to get some answers from him and get him to talk. Uh, where I think they bumbled here a little bit was they probably could have pushed him a little harder during that interview and during mm-hmm. that interrogation because you've seen the footage. It looks to me, man, like he like he was seconds from cracking, right? Or or at the very least, seconds from saying something very stupid. Well, if he's anything like the captain, he's always a couple seconds away from saying something stupid. Well, I mean, his story his story doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. He's and furthermore, let's say something did happen to Kelsey, right? That something was done to her in the time frame that her her family believes that it was. Mm-hmm. He he's making all kinds of stupid. I don't even want to say mistakes. They seem too dumb to even be mistakes. Right. Like he's going through an ATM machine using her card. Clearly, he's got to know that he's on camera. I mean, it's 2013. Well, he, uh, might, he might not know. But but then again, he's in the Walmart parking lot. It, it just, I don't know. There's there's just so many things here. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, and. I think they had an FBI profiler or somebody like talk about this case um, after a couple years of this happening. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the cops eventually released the interrogation, and it's not an interrogation; it's questioning. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's what this FBI profiler was saying was like, look, there was a couple points, maybe two or three, that you kind of knew it was a little bit bullshit, and you didn't push him. Right. And you got to push him to either one, have him fumble to, you know, fumble up more mm-hmm. and he's already fumbling up. Or maybe if you push him, he'll start lying in some weird direction. Or maybe at some point he'll, it's like a game of chess. And if you, if the guy thinks, you know, if he can see that he's caught three moves down the line, maybe he just forfeits mm-hmm. and they didn't do that. And uh, it's, it's a tough thing because, you know, when they initially questioned him, he was being cooperative. Yeah. And then when they found the car, he was being cooperative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think a lot of times in these cases we go, they should have pushed him. Mm-hmm. Well, we, I think we all wish that they would have, but they did have somebody that was talking and being cooperative. So maybe they're just like, look, we don't want to, we don't want to get this guy defensive because once the guy lawyered up, He's not talking anymore. You're right. They didn't. And now we're not getting any more information. They lost everything. And and you're exactly right. I, I applaud you for, for going to bat for the police department because who's to say? We weren't in the room. He could have shut down earlier. You're exactly right. And then we would have been still sitting here spinning our tires. Right. So you could argue either way. You know, did the police screw up the interrogation? Did they screw up the questioning? You could argue that either way. The, the family, Kelsey's family is going to say that they did. Um, I can see their side of it, but 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 I can also see your side of it, Captain, where we're not in the room. We don't know what would have happened. Well, we have a lot of friends that are cops, and we have a lot of friends that are detectives. And, and the the ones that we—look, there's some cops that we know and some detectives we know that we, we think they're arrogant pricks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and those guys— But we're friends with them. <laughs> yeah, well, um, well it's because we're arrogant pricks. Uh, but they like beer. Uh, and, you know, they also like to let us go when they pull us over. Um, Not true. Oh, no, I don't know. They let you go? I... No, no. <laughs> normally they ho- hog tie me and throw me in a field somewhere. But, uh, no, but what I'm trying the point I'm trying to make is that we know good cops and bad cops, and we know smart cops and dumb cops. Mm-hmm. And the smart cops will be the ones that will say that in any investigation, there will be mistakes. 
Right. And, and, and I think we're all human. And if you have, I, I think the smarter you get, the more you realize you don't know a bunch, mm. you know? So yeah. Did they make some mistakes? Yes. Well, they're going to, because mm. they're human. Now the question is how much mistakes did they make? And were those mistakes on purpose? Yeah, because yeah, because there's a difference in just being tactful and deciding that you you want to imply a certain strategy and mm-hmm. you don't want to push this guy too far. That's that's a judgment, that's an opinion call, right? That's your in the moment, that's your call. But Kelsey's family is going to argue that the police department has mishandled this case very badly. Mm-hmm. And to the point where the family filed a lawsuit against some of the Pueblo police department members, as well as Dante, his mother and grandmother. So this basically is because they believe that Dante and his family to be guilty of crimes leading to and covering up Kelsey's murder. And then the police department has failed to investigate this thing properly. Yeah. And it seems like if you go through this lawsuit and you really with a fine tooth comb, uh, or in my case, uh, a nice beard comb. Um, like you said earlier, there's a lot of ticky tacky things that don't lie, you know, where it's like, eh, maybe they made a mistake. Maybe it was a judgment call. Yeah. But there's one glaring thing that is like, hold, hold on. Yeah. And it's the car. So when they took the car in, they processed, processed the car. They claimed to the family that they didn't uncover any evidence that, the car was actually wiped clean. Yeah. The, I mean, this car should be a bucket full of evidence for these cops, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, they're going to the family and they're saying that this is bad news. There's nothing here. Well, the, the Kelsey's family, they hire a private investigator. They get permission from the police department to have their investigators process this car on their own. They want to double check their work, right? Right. And the police department, they do agree to allow the investigators to process this car. The thing is, though, there's some stipulations involved here, right? The Pueblo Police Department want to be present when when the car is processed. That seems pretty normal to me. Right. Um, They do not want Kelsey's family to be present for this processing of the car. That, too, makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. There's logic behind that. Yeah, and so they're going to have a meeting with these private investigators just before the processing of this car. Mm Mm-hmm. And during this little meeting, maybe it's impromptu or not, I don't know. But during this little meeting, it's explained to the investigators that, yeah, we did it. We did process the car. Right, right. The, wait, the law and law enforcement is talking to the PIs. Okay. Yeah, it gets a little confusing because I guess they're all investigators. But right. yeah, the Pueblo Police Department is telling the private investigators, we did process the car. We weren't really, we weren't making anything up on that. Right. We processed it. And we did find something in the trunk of the car. Oh, so it wasn't completely clean. Yeah. And it's something that they believe to have. Okay. They believe that they recovered a substance from the trunk of the car that is consistent with dried bodily fluids. Mm -hmm. And that they also recovered two large palm prints off of the front seat, uh, off of the headrest of the front seat. Right. Uh, The family you know, they, they have no idea about this information. This is not information that was told to them. Well, let me play a little devil's advocate, right? Okay. Is that this is information that they found that is leading towards, you know, solving, you know, and also maybe leading them towards an investigation of foul play mm-hmm. and now viewing this as a homicide mm-hmm. and that they don't want to give this information to the family because they don't want to give this information to the public. Right. 
Right, I get that. Just to play devil's advocate. I get but I get that, but there's a little more to this story, okay? Mm-hmm. So not only did they find these items, right? But they all the family also came into information that some evidence collected in this investigation for no known logical reason, this evidence has never been submitted for analysis to any crime laboratory. So therefore, according to the law, this is a deliberate attempt to conceal or destroy evidence because the longer that that evidence sits there without being tested, right. we have things that it, we are losing time here. We are losing information. Yeah. And so, you know, test, test the fluid that you find. And if it matches the DNA of Kelsey, then we would, we can investigate this as a homicide, mm-hmm. but what, who are these handprints? Now the problem is, is that you do have, you know, your major suspect was in a relationship with Kelsey. And so there are going to be, you know, his DNA is going to be in the car there's going to be fingerprints and handprints. Yeah, but yeah. It, but it does seem like the the at least the front of the car was kind of wiped to make a cover up. Well, and you pointed out something earlier when you and I were talking about this case was that if if in fact that they they were stating the truth and saying that the vehicle was in fact wiped clean, well then that to you and to me and everybody else it should point out something else that. Well, it was wiped clean for a reason. Right. You know, we're, nobody's just driving around in an immaculate car. It wasn't dropped off at, at Walmart, and then you had a detailer come in there and clean the whole thing up. Well, and even if Kelsey cleaned the car before she took the two-hour trip, she took a two-hour trip. Yeah. So there's going to be, you know, think about how many times you touch the radio dial or or move your hand on the steering wheel. You don't just wipe your car clean 10 and 2 with gloves on and, and, and take a two-hour trip. Two hour trip, and then if you believe Dante's story, she slept in the car the the night that she went that she disappeared. Right. Dante's in the car with her the next day, according to his story, taking her to the the hospital or the medical center. He's already admitted that he's in the vehicle going to the ATM machine. Right. We see him at the at the Walmart dropping it off. Now we have some un unidentified man picking up and moving the vehicle, and and it's wiped. You have no evidence of any of this of any of these people. Right, and and so I don't believe law enforcement wiped down the vehicle, right? So they did didn't find any evidence. I do believe there's some logical reason why they didn't tell uh, the family about their findings. Mm-hmm. There is no logical reason or explanation in my mind that justifies why you didn't process that information. Right, right. I mean that that is just uncalled for. And again, it's a in a community that has a higher crime rate. Yeah. So I understand that there's a lot on their plate. You know what they say, you know, underpaid, overworked and underpaid. And that's very true. But we got uh, we got a missing girl here that was, you know, supposedly eight weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is a big deal. Does this place have a higher crime rate because these guys can't solve any crimes? Is that, is that what's happening? That the that the people are just going, you know what? They'll never catch us. We can just do whatever we want. We're going to run amok in the streets here. So clearly this seems to be something that the Pueblo Police Department, that they couldn't handle this case, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, but this appears to be above their pay grade. As w- Even more disappointing, it doesn't seem to be that tough of a case to me, Captain. Right. Uh, but some of that is narcissism. Some of that is ego. And you see this time and time again. And, and does this law, you know, do they ask for help? Do they ask, ask for the FBI? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Here's what happens. And you want to, you want to hear my narcissism and my ego here, right? Okay. I hear it every week. All right. Well, the captain reviewed this case 
And mm-hmm. and I tell you, in 15 minutes, he solved this thing and he didn't even have to leave the garage. You know, I so I don't understand why they couldn't figure it out. You, but you're exactly right. When you have a case here that you can't seem to handle it or you're not going to handle it properly, mm-hmm. let's pass this thing on to somebody else, a more capable group. Well, and I, I don't have it solved, you know. You know You've I mean? not like, brought up anybody on charges. No, no, I'm not going to bring up anybody on charges yet. But but there is a lot of questions. You know, I I think we know who the key player is in this. Yeah. But you know, as we're getting in, well, as we get into this tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of other key people that we're going to bring in that are suspects as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you asked if they moved it to anybody else. Uh, very recently, they did transfer this case to CBI the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, which this probably should have been done from the start. I'm sure Kelsey's family would tell, would back me up on that. It sounds like, you know, this is a, this is a big step in the right direction. So I, I'm very happy to hear that it's moved to CBI. Yeah, no. And I think that to me is, you know, when you're in law enforcement or when you're in anything, start by lessening your ego, mm-hmm. right? And going, maybe I just don't know. We had a case here. I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, two weeks very ago. recently. And uh, so here's how I heard about it on Wednesday night. I'm, I'm going through uh, Facebook mm-hmm. and I see missing girl, yeah. missing girl from Ohio state. Now we covered the Brian Schaefer case. We covered Joey LeBute, both students from Ohio state. So when I see that, I go, Oh, ears perk up. Okay. She was a girl from Ohio state, Reagan Tukes. And she was a waitress at a place called Bodega and she went missing. Yeah. And she was leaving work and they, they don't know anything. So then wake up to Thursday and, uh, the town that I live in, well, they found a body mm-hmm. and this is like a couple of miles from my residency. So I'm going, well, this is weird. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, what if it's the missing girl from my high estate? Right. It comes to be that, you know, it is. They then find her car on the Friday. Mm-hmm. They then have a suspect in custody on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. And the reason why Gross City Police Department and Columbus Police Department were able to do this is they called in the feds. They called in the CBI here. Uh, and, and they did that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so girl goes missing Wednesday. Bodies found on Thursday. Cars found on Friday. Suspect is arrested and and obtain on Saturday. Yeah, it, it and you know we, we might have some of those times a, a little off because we're going off of memory here, but this was a case that moved so incredibly fast. Right. You know, it was it was amazing to see this whole machine at work here, and it's terribly unfortunate we cannot bring uh, you know Miss Tokes back, um, and she was kidnapped for the most senseless of reasons. But it. It, it was so amazing to see that this thing moved so fast. Like the captain said, they brought in the FBI very early. Mm-hmm. They were able to, they were able to establish who did this within three or four days. And they were, there's a mountain of evidence on this guy. I mean, this looks like an open and shut case, but because they did their due diligence, they got other agencies involved. They worked together with one another and they were able to piece this thing together very quickly. Right. And like I was saying, it's, it's back to the ego. And when I talked to, a retired uh, Gross City police uh, detective. Mm-hmm. He said, "I I said, you know, I I really applaud you guys because this is a small uh, suburb mm-hmm. and not a lot of crimes happen or not a lot of crimes are reported on. And you have this girl found dead, and you guys 
and instantly got people involved. Mm-hmm. And he and he was saying like, yeah, I mean, especially you know, he's an older retired detective, and he's saying, yeah, these new detectives they they didn't even mess around. They didn't sit there and go, hey, by the way, we're the smartest kids on the block. We're going to fi- figure this out because you know, two heads are always better than one. Yep. And the other thing that was really interesting interesting to me in this case. I don't know if this was actually reported anywhere, but what this retired detective told me was when they showed up at the crime scene because they it's you know it's a homicide and they don't do a lot of crime scene uh, you know forensic evidence collecting of a homicide mm-hmm. that they instantly called in Columbus Homicide Forensic mm-hmm. Unit and they came in to basically take over that side of it and process the scene appropriately. Right. And, 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 and have that be a teaching tool mm-hmm. for, for the gross city police department. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was brilliant. And like I said, girl goes missing Wednesday, bodies found Thursday, cars found on Friday, and then you got a suspect and he's arrested on Saturday. And not only that, they were able to use technology to their, to their advantage as well. And part mm-hmm. of that, I wonder was bringing in the FBI because we very quickly saw the results of a DNA test that put him with the victim and put him with the victim's car, mm-hmm. which, I mean, we saw a DNA test that the turnaround on this thing was hours, right? you know, not days, weeks, or months. Uh, so this might've been the FBI's doing as well as they were able to track his movements through a uh, monitoring system that he was, he had been released from prison right, and he was right. being monitored. So horrible individual. And, and our thoughts and prayers obviously go out to, Reagan uh, Took's family and and everybody that knew her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, know, it, it was definitely a tragedy for you know, you know, even if you didn't go to Ohio State, if you're a Ohio State fan, you just hate to hear you know about a student going missing. Well, it's a tragedy for the community. It really is. All right, so back to Kelsey's. You know, that's a little side note. A lot of people asking me about that case um, this last couple weeks. Um, but back to Kelsey's case. So what happened with this lawsuit? So the lawsuit, it, while it seems it seems valid, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part, the the problem here is it's very tough to sue law enforcement when they're in the process of investigating your your a crime mm-hmm. um, because they have to have certain immunities, and on top of that, you cannot just go around just because you don't think the police did something correctly. You have to have right. actual evidence. You have to have strong evidence that they that they miscarry justice to have a valid lawsuit. So I believe that while you might have some information here that would, would point towards the guilt of Dante or family members, that right. they may have been involved in something here, the problem is this lawsuit was carried out against the police department and Dante's family as well. So as soon as you throw those police members in there, well, that gets that gets very tough for this thing to go to actual court because they have to be able to investigate. They have to be able to conduct their business right. without people just walking around suing them constantly. And, and I think the thing about law enforcement or detectives, uh, you know, the question is, was somebody a dumbass or was somebody an asshole? Hmm. You know what I mean? Was the law enforcement, did they do something that was just stupid and they just didn't process something correctly or whatever, or, or were they doing something malicious? And I think most of the time you can err on the side of they were just dumbass. And yeah. then if they did cover something up, it was because they were a dumbass 
and then they had to cover up that they were a dumbass. Yeah, I don't think I didn't see any, anybody here. <laughs> it's Dumas. I didn't see anybody here purposely covering things up for, right. f- for any reason that they want to cover up this crime. It, it looked to me like laziness mm-hmm. really is what I saw a lot of. Maybe you have a situation where you have a lot of guys that are close to retirement. You know, they're getting a little long in the tooth and they've done this job for a long time and and it's kind of warm out. The question is, and we're going to talk about this more tomorrow, but if if it wasn't just Dante that was involved, mm-hmm. it was family members of Dante's that was involved, that maybe their connections lead up to law enforcement. Yeah. And that's a, obviously a possibility. I think it's a far stretch, but there's so much more to dive into in this case, and we should jump into that tomorrow. Yep, yep. But but the lawsuit was dropped. The lawsuit was, in fact, dropped, yes. Right, so tomorrow we're going to dive into the new theory that they have on this case. We're going to dive into some of the weird social media stuff happening with this case. Very weird. Uh, Also, some weird stuff going on at Dante's mother's house. Yeah, possible new evidence. Mm -hmm. And then the family actually turns to a psychic detective. So we're going to talk about those findings and, and... and what our thoughts on that are. Mm-hmm. Uh, recommended reading for this week. I'm recommending You Gotta Be Dirty, The Outlaws Motorcycle Club in and around Wisconsin by mm-hmm. Michael Grogan. Uh, this is That's my safe word. <laughs> you gotta be dirty. In 1964, a disheveled band of motorcyclists suddenly appeared in Mo- Milwaukee. And over the course of the next decade, the Outlaws Motorcycle Club became synonymous with acts of intimidation and violence. This group of renegade bikers became known as the Wrecking Crew. Wisconsin investigators have linked the members of the Outlaws to at least 11 slangs. This is the true story of the Outlaws Motorcycle Club, the biker gang that intimidated law enforcement and killed eyewitnesses. So pick up You Gotta Be Dirty, the Outlaws Motorcycle Club in and around Wisconsin by Michael Grogan by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com and click on the recommended page. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for sharing on social media. And we'll see you guys in the garage tomorrow. Cheers, mates. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't let it. you are bpm's high sweat dripping body moving tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too Aww. i mean just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not 